Hey, what's up, everybody? You have reached the I'm Dealing With broadcast. I'm Sean, your host, and we'll be taking you through plenty of taboo topics that men deal with on a daily basis. We're going to go through, listen, and deal with all these things together. I know I've got to heal, and I'm sure you have to heal too, or the man in your life needs to heal. Stay tuned, fasten your seatbelt, hold on, here we go. All right, welcome back right at you again. I'm your host, Sean, and this is I'm Dealing With. I'm your host as we're focusing once again, as always, on men. That is our attraction. That's what we do. We focus on men. That is the focus. And if you're a young lady or even an old lady and you actually have a man in your life, uh, continue to listen to this podcast as we go through life's lessons, some of my own lessons that I've learned, again, from a man's point of view to where you can understand how we truly feel and everything that we do, you know, because we're different, you know, uh, we think completely different from women, well, just it's just different um, how we feel how we love everything's just different so you know it's only until we can actually uh look from uh the inside and actually see it from a man's perspective where we can actually complete and completely understand how a man feels about certain instances and what he goes through before i go through and uh talk about some of those things um let's go into what we've got going on right now everybody knows this whole epidemic a lot of things going on we've got open uh opening of some states we've got the closures of others we have states that are going to be opening within the next few days we have states that are opening next weekend um some in later on in may and then some that are just staying closed indefinitely and following the cdc's guidelines which is awesome you know, I get, I understand completely that a lot of people want it open because of the business side of it. You know, the money that's being lost, the joblessness, I get it, I get it. But then we have to also think, to what end are we going to do this? What sacrifices are we going to really make to make a buck? You know, is it going to come back? Is it going to grow? Um, you know, so we have to think about you know, the longevity, we have to look further than the tip of our nose, further than just tomorrow. We have to look down the road five months, six months, a year from now. Where will we be if we then violate or forget to think about what could possibly happen? OK, um, there are some that are have been receiving their stimuluses, some that haven't. I know that <clears throat> one of the proposals did go through dealing with um, helping out small businesses um, to try to keep um, making their payroll and things of that sort. Um, just a lot going on, you know. Um, but what I have done is, for me, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly how you view your news or how, you know, whether you watch it or you're watching it daily. For me, I just pretty much, I look at what's going on and I take it in, you know, just take it in. And I just keep up with what's going on. But I'm not in it 24 hours a day, seven days a week and whatever. I just like to see what's going on real quick. So, uh, you know, I'm not blindsided, you know. But some people, I mean, 
they're in it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they're trying to figure out, is it really a virus? Is this really epidemic? epidemic, Or is this uh, some type of uh, different type of war? I'm like, oh, man, you know. But regardless of that fact, we have to be safe. In everything that we do, we have to be safe. You know, for those of you that are faith-based, well, God's going to bring us out and all that. I get it. I agree. But we also can't be stupid either or where to where we're so heaven bound that we're no earthly good. We have to be able to. uh, Yes, we believe in one aspect of it, but I'm also going to be protected on another. You know, I have to be a believer, but I'm still going to wear my mask. I'm not going to be stupid. I know. Matter of fact, uh, in the news, there has been quite a few people that have um, violated because they're so uh set on their their faith whatever the faith that is and um have not abided by the order of the quarantine and um you know and next thing you know they have now came down with this virus and i'm here to let you know you know we can say whatever we want to say but the saying is true and for those of us that know this is basically scriptural base but obedience is better than sacrifice it's better to listen and abide versus take a chance and whatever the repercussions are, then you have to deal with that, you know. So but anywho, we have a lot going on. We've talked about uh, in our past few episodes. Yes, we've gone through the build. We've talked about matter of fact, the last of the very last episode, which was episode eight, faith in adversity. We dealt with faith, you know, our our faith in uh, not just in men, our, our Christian faith, our Whatever faith that you have, you know, what is that faith like and how do you deal with that in this adverse climate? You know, and how can we still keep our faith, you know, which is a tough thing to do. But to be honest with you, it's a good thing to do. Why? It builds us. It strengthens you. You know, a boxer never knows what he has until he goes up against an opponent. It's easy to look good in the mirror. Just like the the guy in the gym, that power lifter, it's easier for, you know, get that nice physique in the gym. You know, he's in a bodybuilding contest and he's lifting all these weights. Looks great, great physique, you know, hardly any fat, you know, very lean. You know, he's cut, has the biceps, the triceps, the quads, the hams, all that. And all of a sudden, you know, he's on stage with 20 other people. And then he can really go, hmm. I got some competition and in faith, you're going to deal with some competition, meaning something's going to come up against you. That's going to cause you to strengthen your faith. So faith. So that's what last our last one was about. Prior to that, we talked about the build, about building people. And then uh, in episode six, uh, we talked about the misconception of preconceived notions. Man, that was a deep one, too, because we always look on the outward experience, uh, the appearance, excuse me, of people. And we already automatically assume certain things about them. And, you know, you never see that more true than watching like American Idol. <laughs> man, um, let me tell you, uh, I watched this one episode, man, where this uh, this chick came on. And, man, I tell you, when, when you look at her, you're like, oh, no, man, it's about to be funny, you know. And she opened up her mouth and Boy, this chick can blow. She had lungs and she could sing. But outwardly, she looked as though that she had lived a hard life. 
had been living on the streets and all that other kind of stuff, you know. But then the opposite is true. I've watched it where either a guy or girl has come on. And I mean, they look like they're, you know, they've been a pop singer forever. And I mean, they couldn't hit a note if they were throwing a dart, a dart at the dartboard. Let me tell you, um, there's the same we used to use. You can't, couldn't hit the right side of the barn from the inside. You know, it's just ridiculous. Just could not sing at all. And you just go, wait, er, what? You came on the show thinking that you were going to. Yeah, it's a bunch of foolery. Let me tell you, foolery. I just think they want their little five seconds or 10 seconds of fame. But it happens. So that's dealing with misconceptions. We're always having these preconceived ideas of uh, who we think people are. In five, episode five, we talked about the day she left. Man, ooh, that was a rough one. That was a rough one. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback on that one. And uh, and basically, it wasn't dealing with a uh, a significant other. Uh, it was dealing with a, a, a point in my life where um, I had to own up to something. And uh, my mom had pretty much, I'm not going to say she turned her back on me, but she she stepped away from me for a little while. You know, and that was tough. That was tough. And for a young man who... Uh, most most I would say most young men, most men that are men now as boys, we need um, our mother. You know, that's a big impact. And when we lose her, our parents, and some of you have maybe lost your parent where they actually passed, passed on. Or maybe you haven't had your parent at all. You know, and it's and it's tough when you have something that's been great and, and very invaluable in your life. And then all of a sudden you lose it or it steps to the side that that is oh man it's tough especially when you're dealing with your mother so that was that episode and if you haven't heard that get into that one deep dive into that one and maybe that might resonate with some of the things that maybe you personally have gone through or maybe you're going through now you know because we know that with uh with what's going on we we're we're losing people to not just the virus we're losing people to cancer we're losing people to leukemia we're losing uh, people to other medical conditions um and and if it's a woman that is somebody's mom and it may be you it may be someone that you're losing that's tough or maybe somebody that's on a decline and you're watching him fade away how how do you deal with that so anyway so i talk about my experience in dealing with that during that time prior to that episode four was the curb how life can curb you i mean literally put your behind on the curb okay to where uh you look so short you know you're sitting on the curb and your feet are dangling i mean you just look jacked up sitting on the curb because life has put you there you know and um it's tough because then you, you you have this curb mentality and you go, well, how do I get back on the freeway? How do I get back on the main street? How do I get back on the road? How do I get my life back on track? Because right now I'm on the curb, you know, and I use the analogy in this scenario dealing with a car. So but anyway, please, if you haven't heard that one, get into that one. Um, and then the, and the prior to that was uh, episode three. Shh, don't tell nobody. <laughs> now that one, uh, man, I just, 
I went full blown eight mile on that one in the very beginning and just, you know, just said, what was up? You know, uh, here's what I've done. You know, yep. Nope. I, I did this. I didn't do that. I was guilty of this. And yes, I take full responsibility for that. And until you actually do that and actually take your responsibility for the things you've done, both knowing and unknowingly, you know, because a lot of times our curb, our faith, our building and all these different things come from the simple fact that we make choices. Now we make choices that put us there. It's not always somebody else's fault. Many times it's our own fault in the things that we say and the things that we do, the choices we make, you know, opportunities come to us and some opportunities we, we skip over because we don't think of it as an opportunity. We think of it as a negativity only to find out the opportunity we, we skip past was really an opportunity and we, we missed it. We missed the boat. And not great opportunities always come all the time. We have to be able to uh, learn from these things, you know, and you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to invest, you know, properly. You're going to invest foolishly. You're going to marry properly. Sometimes you're going to marry foolishly. Uh, You're going to date properly. (laughs) Need I go on? I mean, it's just one of those things. So, in that episode, I actually go into and I start the episode off by saying, yes, I did do this, that and the other. And um, and the reason why it's entitled that, because this is how we feel about the things we haven't said. We don't want nobody to know. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want our stuff out on YouTube. We don't want it on Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat and LinkedIn, we don't want our stuff out there or Twitter. We don't want it out there. So we're always saying, shh, don't tell nobody, man. I just got this one thing, you know, blah, 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 blah. Or you're hoping nobody finds out. So these are the things that we really have to deal with on a daily basis. And uh, then prior to that, we get into a topic of dealing with safety. And that's, that's a topic that is very, um, presentable it's very um, palatable for anybody regardless of walk of life or demographic and then prior to that is our first main episode called the discovery which is episode one the discovery when I discover who I am I discover um, that people will do some things to you that you never thought should be done and or the things people should be doing they're not so that's in the discovery so there's a lot in some of a lot of these episodes if you haven't listened to them push through and uh listen to them either way on the grocery store on the way of uh some of your shopping maybe on the way to work especially for you necessity people um get into some of and if you're at home working i mean hey I mean, while you're typing on that computer, while you're on your laptop, your Mac or your Windows, uh, maybe you're on your iPad, whatever, you know, put some headphones on and um, pipe this up and and check it out. And I think you'll get some good value out of all of this. So I said all that to say this. So here's where I'm going next. You know, as I was sitting here thinking and going through and then pondering some of the different things, I just began thinking about uh, me being a dad, being a father, 
And, you know, um, fatherhood is tough. And the reason why I say it's tough, because um, it has its ups and downs. I mean, yeah, it's a blessing. It's a joy. You know, I watched all my children be born, you know, and and you're there. You know, you're just like in that moment. You're like, oh, man. Oh, my God. You know, wow. I actually, you know, you know, I actually had a hand. I'm not going to say I made this, but I actually had a hand, (laughs) you know, in, in making this product. Right. I had a hand in it. You know, you know, and, and then, you know, younger age, they're, they're beautiful, they're joyful, they're, they're just awesome to look at, they're funny, they're witty, and then, you know, they start talking, and sometimes you wish, you wish they would start talking, because they're screaming and hollering, you don't know if they're teething or whatever, and you just wish they could tell you what the problem is, and then you're wishing that they would not crawl anymore you wishing they would walk so you don't have to pick them up and carry them all the time and then once they start walking you want them to sit down because they can never sit down once they start walking and running and then when they start talking then you wish they would shut up because they talk too much and they talk about everything and you can never get no peace of mind so it's a it's tough it's tough it's tough it's a, it's it's tough being a being a father i mean especially if you're in the home again i'm going to talk about from this from the father's uh, uh, platform because I'm a father, you know, and if you happen to be a woman and you're listening, you know, you might say, well, my, my man's never around. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. So, but from my standpoint, you know, it's, it's rough being, you know, it's rough being a father. It's not the fact that it's, it's something easy. It's a, it's, it's really a job. And what I mean by a job is not something that's negative. You really have to put in work. And the reason why you have to put in work because you have now children that are looking up to you for direction as a father, as the head of that house, as the priest of that home, as the umbrella that keeps the house from getting rained on. And um, they're looking for that. They're looking for that structure. And if you have girls, what they see in you usually, usually helps them look for later on something that either resembles you or if you're a poor man or a poor father something that does not resemble you if you are not ever in the home meaning a participant of that child I'm not saying you you live in in the same roof I'm saying a participant if you're not participating in the rearing or the growing up and the raising the nurturing of that child what they become is they begin to look for something that they should have got out of their father so at the, so sometimes our young ladies our young girls who now become you know 19 20 years old or uh, you know actually starting about 17 you know start looking for men Okay, I'm not going to say boys, men who can give them what their father didn't. But then we want to get upset when um, they bring home something or they're with somebody that they shouldn't be. When in actuality, if we were around, if we were were a participant in the rearing of that child, into raising that child, they would have actually looked at us for an opinion, a uh, guidance um, on how um, 
to select, how to look for, how to, you know, granted, you can teach and write and children still going to make their own decisions, right? It happens. I mean, heck, you did. I did. Right. And it happens. We understand that. But we also can't be blind to the fact that to think that we don't have a um, a very emphatic um, decision making process in their rearing because it happens to where even if they made their own decision, if you put in them some things and they still make their own decision, at least you had input. You had um, you were a part of that hard drive that helped download that information. You're part of that flash drive. You're part of whatever that is to be able to input information into them. Now, if you are a poor father, meaning you, you were a part of them, but I mean, you're just kind of doing your own thing. You know, mama took care of the, the kids for the most part and you were out of the home and yeah, they saw you as maybe a provider and uh, yeah, you took care of the bills and stuff like that, but you really didn't play with them too much. You really didn't do this and this and this and that and the other. Maybe there's something else that they will look for because they missed it. Okay. Um, and that is both male and female as far as um, boys and girls. So it's very important and imperative that you play a part. You play your part. Please, again, play your part as a father, as that dad, you know, as that priest and at home. Play that part because um, at the end of it, you don't get this back. You, when they're growing up, you know, and um, a matter of fact, I've told my children, you know, my children are now grown and most of them, but one actually has a child. So, but I tell my children, your job is to fill them up with so much stuff. You sit, you read to them, you um, challenge them, you read them bedtime stories and stuff like that. And you instruct them because and you teach them how to be, uh, you know, mannerful. You know, I came from that yes, sir, no, sir, you know, environment. That's how I was taught. I mean, there, there was that's just what that was. You know, you didn't call nobody by their first name. Right. It didn't happen. So if you're the next door neighbor, and your name is John, but your last name was Givens. It was Mr. Givens. It wasn't Mr. John. It was Mr. Givens, whatever that, you know, that's how you were taught. And if you're talking, if you. Uh, with that, if that adult, it didn't matter if you liked them or not. It was yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. That's what that was. And if you're not teaching your children to respect um, that type of authority slash um, respectfulness at home, they will get out into the world and just Oh, man, have no respect for people. And you wonder why people right now, you know, that you may be complaining about right where you are in your workplace, um, on your job, even maybe in your houses of worship where people have no respect because it happens. It might be your next door neighbor. It all started in the home because either they were taught or they weren't. And understand that anything that you're not teaching is being taught. <laughs> That's the real word right there. Anything that you're not teaching is being taught. Meaning, if you're not teaching your children how to love and care for one another, what's being taught is, by you not teaching love, what's being taught is the opposite of that. They can do however they want to do. If you're not correcting that child when 
when uh, their mom is saying, hey, um, so-and-so, I need you to do such and such. And that child goes, well, I don't feel, and you're not in the spot to be able to say, you're not there to say, wait, wait, hold on. Who are you talking to? That's your mother. You don't question your mother. If you're not doing that, you're saying it's okay to talk to your mother, your father, sister, brother, your grandfather, aunt, uncle, any old kind of way. Because all the way up till the age of five, and if you do your research, if you're not being very instructful, even all the way through the age of five, by the time they get to the age of five, they have pretty much already made up in their mind how they are going to entreat, talk to, uh, influence, uh, whether they're going to be hard-headed or not, whether this, that, and the other, because you either taught it to them or you didn't, which makes it harder later on down the line, if you think about it, that you now have to, you know, now they're eight, nine, ten years old, having their own philosophy, their own way. They're in adult conversations. So when you're talking to one of your buddies, they just walk in and go, yeah, and you know, and then last night, you know, such, such happened. And you're like, oh, er, wait, wait, what, wait, what are you doing here? But you've allowed it. You've allowed them to sit in an adult conversation. Then you get mad because now they're blurting out business that should not have been because in all honesty, if they had never been in your business to begin with or been around, there'll be nothing for them to tell, but we've allowed them to be now adults because we're so busy being friends instead of being parents. So yeah, it's tough. And again, I'm, I'm taking it from a, uh, a father standpoint It's tough because you have to be uh, assertive. You have to be very authoritative in your approach, but, but then you can't be so authoritative to where, you know, everybody and their mama is scared of you because you have an attitude problem. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, you walk in the door and you throwing bottles and tearing up the house and have everybody. That's not where we're not what we're not what we're saying. We're saying there there has to be a voice to when you speak or you come in the room. Again, that goes back to that uh, that uh, that thermostat to where it all of a sudden whoop, there's a shift, there's a change. Oh, Dad's here. Yep. Yeah, I guess we won't be doing that. And yeah, we won't be talking about that. And yeah, since I was going to wear this when I was about to leave the house, but since dad's here, yeah, um, yeah, he ain't playing that. So I better put some clothes on cause I can't look like, um, you know, a street wall. I got, I gotta, you know what I'm saying? There has to be, because they should know what you stand for. You know what? It happens. So what I say is tough because I've always thought to myself as much as I've always thought that I was good at a lot of different things, whatever those things are, you know, audio, this and that, you know, I can name a bunch of stuff that I personally think I'm good at. But to me, none of that stuff mattered because the one thing I always wanted to be known for that I was a great dad. That's it. I just want to be known that if I was taken out today, that he was a great dad. That's what I wanted to be known for. But through life, you know, you make some decisions, you make changes, and you find out later on that sometimes the very thing that you plan to do, the very thing that you want to accomplish, sometimes you feel like you fail. And it's tough because when you know that you're on the right track in one area, you can fail in another. You can, you could, you really could fail in another or cause 
um, yourself to be derailed. And, uh, um, you know, I've had to have some encounters and have some real tough conversations with my children. Again, they're adults now. They are adults. Uh, my youngest is 20, so and there's four of them. So um, they're adults. And to know that sometimes they won't tell you the truth because they love you so much um, that they don't want to hurt your feelings. And as a father, it's, it was, it's tough for me to hear um, negative criticism about some of the things that either I've caused or have been a part of that have caused them to feel that way. And whether I agree or disagree with what's being told, it doesn't minimize or negate the fact that that's still their feeling. That is their, um, that is their opinion. That is their view of how they see me, regardless of, man, you crazy, you wrong. It doesn't matter. So, um, it's again, it's tough being a dad and, um, because you love them so much, you want them to succeed. And success for me is not what I want you to be. It's what God wants you to be, but then also what you want to be, you know, and me being a part of helping you get there. It's not about, you have to have a, you know, you gotta be a doctor, you gotta be a lawyer, you've gotta be, you know, this, that, and the other. you have to have a PhD, you have to have a master's, you know, for a lot of people that's success to them, it is. For me, I want you to be uh, successful. I think successful is in number one in your health, your family, and friend relationships. Um, that you have, you're healthy in those areas. You're healthy in uh, um, personal relationships, maybe even um, your intimate relationships. Um, that your, your mother and father and stuff. There's a great relationships there. But then also financially and economically, that you're happy with the money you make, you're happy with the car you drive, you're happy with where you live, you're happy with the clothes you wear. And I'm good with it. I'm willing to help them accomplish anything that um, they believe is going to help them get to where they want to go. And my job is to be there for them. How can I help you? And as long as there's nothing illegal and, and all that kind of that kind of garbage, um, I will say my input, good, bad, and indifferent. All right, this what what you want to do. I might not agree with it. You know, it's not it's not illegal. It's not this, that, and the other. But how can I how can I help you accomplish what you need? Not how can I finance it. You know, that's a, what a lot of parents do. They help finance their dreams. And as our job as parents is to help them finance their dreams. Help them, again, finance their dreams. Not we finance. Help them finance. Because the reason why is when they actually make a deposit into their dreams when they make deposits into their dreams and into their goals guess what it matters more to them it's not something that was handed on the platter and then they can quit and you know all that kind of stuff or just mishandle it there's nothing wrong with buying your your children a car or helping them start their own business and all that kind of stuff. But when they actually have some input and they actually make a deposit into whatever that is, they actually appreciate it more. That's the word I want. Appreciate. They value it more. 
And when you have a, ch- a child who has now become a young adult who has um, had their parental support where their parents actually helped them make their deposits into their dreams, into their goals, into their ambitions, many of these children are a lot more successful than others because they value that input they value the fact that it wasn't handed to them because they knew it was like the struggle to get there and a lot of times it's in our struggles in our struggles that we learn who we are (laughs) and we learn who other people are too man oh my god you know you think your boy is uh is on your side and then when you start struggling he ain't nowhere to be found okay so you think i'm playing and the reason i'm saying that i mean come on the hammer effect (laughs) I know there's a movie called The Butterfly Effect, but no, The Hammer Effect. Y'all don't know what The Hammer Effect is? MC Hammer. Come on. You remember MC Hammer? I mean, was on top of the world. Boom, boom, boom. You know, making all the money, the dancing, stuff. And he had an entourage like crazy. Crazy entourage. Everybody was getting paid. All that crazy stuff. And then as soon as the money started dwindling, there was nowhere to be found. And that's what struggle will do struggle sometimes will weed out who your friends are who your associates are and who are your who are your acquaintances that's what struggle will do and when your children go through struggle and as a parent you watch your children go through struggle it's not the time to just pull them completely out of the struggle or bail them out you can't bail them out of everything sometimes they got to go through it with your support with your prayer with them knowing that if need be you can come home not live off of me, but you can if you if this is what you need, you can come home. And it's in that time that we realize that you start looking back on your fatherhood. You start looking back on how you're um, how you've reared your children <clears throat> or how you raised them, and you go, hmm, where could I've done better? Was um, I there for everything? Was um, my input necessary was I too hard was I too passive was um, or was I there at all and meaning there meaning a part a part of their area and then as a father then you now have to go either I did my best and they still chose their own path whatever that is or I didn't do enough or I didn't do nothing at all, and it's my fault. So for me, I was greatly apart. But then later on, I had some gaps. And the gaps weren't that I wasn't around. I wasn't around. Meaning, I was always within a call. I was always within a text message. Call me, text me, this, 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 and that. But because I had made a decision to walk away from a home, they then were very sporadic in their communication, though I was constantly in communication. So there was a, um, how should I say, a big a, a gap in our, our communication wasn't wasn't the fact that I wasn't trying to communicate I was communicating but I caused a riff there you go the word the riff I called a riff the ripple effect in um, 
a relationship after that. So later on, you know, you find out that many things that could have been um, tackled, many things that didn't have to be, many things that didn't have to be said, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't made the decision I made. And it's tough because they still love you. And as children, men, and as children, men, I'm here to for those of you to listen, men, if you're going through an issue with your children, they love you. But the hard thing is we have to be open and receptive to listen to their truths because their truths actually matter because it's their truth. It's their reality. This is how they, this is how they see things. This is how this, the magnifying glass they're looking through. They're not seeing it from your vantage point because if, if we were, if they were seeing it through our vantage point, they pretty much almost agree with everything that you did or not did. And that's not what this is about because we're all individuals. And just like you want somebody to see something from your vantage point, you have to be able to see um, things from a child's vantage point. And when I mean child, not just the six-year-old, but the 16-year-old and the 26-year-old. And some of you are dealing with children that are 36, 46, and 56 years old. Because, yeah, they're adults now, but they're still somebody's child and they're still holding on to something. They're still holding on to their reality of things they haven't shared with you because they don't want to relu- ruin the relationship with you. Now I was able to sit down with my children and go over a few things. I had to listen to some harsh realities. And I mean, it hurt. It hurt to know that the very thing I wanted to be successful in was the very thing I failed at. The love, yes, uh, uh, the love, I I loved them greatly. You know, for many years, I worked uh, almost 20 years, you know, working nights where I was, was almost pretty much a graveyard, you know, from 11 to 7 in the morning. So when I walk in the door, I have four kids that are just looking at me in the face going, Daddy's home! And I had them all day long. But I had a plan every day. If they weren't fed by their mom then I'd feed them if they weren't dressed by their mom I'd dress them and then we'd sit around for a few hours but early in the morning again we're talking about by 9 o'clock we were out of the house we're at the park or at the beach at a museum at a such and such and I'd run them my kids did not wear me down I ran them jokers down I mean literally I ran them down and then I took them to get lunch or we made lunch at home. But usually by the time we came home, they already knocked out in the car, which is roughly right around noon. I put them to bed. And when they slept, that's when I slept. There was no there was no iPads and, you know, like Internet. Other than, yeah, we had dial-up. Yeah, y'all remember that. Um, but we didn't have stuff that actually made sure you know that babysat your kids we didn't give them a, a tablet and a phone and say hey you're watching me youtube and some mute movies while i lay over here no there was none of that youtube was you were with your kids in front of the television watching veggie tales uh blues clues and all these other, that's just what that was you were a part of it you knew every show that your children watched because you watched it with them you didn't have five tvs in the house you know, you had one, maybe two, 
maybe three, you know, and uh, they didn't have TVs in their rooms. We had one, we had uh, a TV down, I think at that time, I think there was a TV downstairs and maybe one in our master bedroom, but that was it. That was it. We didn't have TVs in the kids' room. So I knew everything they watched. So this went on for many, many years until it was time to move, move into a different location. And they never really had TVs, not until they were in their later teen years to where they began to have TVs in their rooms. Then we had, you know, yeah, we had, you know, a theater room and a bunch of different things later on. But always a part of everything. So if they were in the soccer, I was there. If they were getting an award, I was there. If they were getting a trophy for something, I was there. If it was a part of uh, some sports, I was there. But in a certain time when I was in my own feelings, let's just be honest, I was in my own feelings, feeling myself, right? You know, we can say whatever we want to say, but sometimes, fellas, we get in our own feelings. I was feeling myself, and it was time... Uh, Again, it was time for me to leave. You know, you know, I've never been one to threaten. You know, yeah, you don't do this right, I'm leaving. If you don't do this, I'm leaving. If you don't see it my way, I'm leaving. If I can't get this, I'm not that. That was never in the vocabulary. So for me to say that, I think it's time. That was like a big. It was a big deal. So when I did go and leave. There's a ripple effect. And sometimes you you think that, you know, yeah, it's going to be something that's just they're going to get, you know, they're going to get over. You know, it's going to probably take them a couple months to get used to it, that the, things have changed, blah, blah, blah. And then there are some things that children never get over when both um, father and mother have made a decision that causes a ripple effect. It could be the mother that makes it or it could be the father that causes the ripple effect. And the ripple effect actually happened because I made it. Only to find out later on through time that through um, even with my conversations that there is stuff being held. Plenty of times where they were, hey, let's hang out. Let's go to the movies. Let's such and such. And I'm like, yep, let's go. Never turned them down that one time. And many times it was me making it, reaching out. Hey, let's do this. I got this covered. Let's go. Let's do this and that and the other. Not knowing that the underlying uh, consensus was, I'm hurt and it's your fault. But I love you and I'm not going to tell you. I'm just happy spending this time with you right now because I don't see you every day anymore. I don't see you at night when I go to bed anymore. I don't see you in the morning when I wake up anymore. So I don't want to tell you anything that's going to cause a ripple in our relationship because um, I really love you. I just don't like you. But I love you because you're my dad. It hurt. It hurt. And there's a time in your life that... um, you're going to have to deal with very um, non-confrontational views of you from the people you love most. And we're not going to like everything that we hear. Everything that 
everything that we hear is not always um, a fairy tale. It's not always you're an angel with wings and, and you're just perfect and we're just going to be blessed to the Lord. It's not all going to always be that way. So in my journey, I've been trying to rebuild what I destroyed. Because what I do understand is when you destroy something, you might destroy one aspect in your mind. But the ripple effects for them goes into their relationships. It might even go as far as the rearing of their children. So we have to always think about the decisions as fathers that we make on a daily basis. If you get somebody on um, your mind, uh, your mother, father, sister, brother, and the phone call that you should be making or the text message you should be sending and you decide not to do it, understand this, tomorrow's not promised. There's only one promised day in your life, and that was yesterday. That's the only day that's promised. Yesterday, yesterday is gone. Your next breath is not promised. Your next 15 minutes is not promised. The next 30 hour um, is not promised. If you look around the world in your life right now and see what's going on, there's a lot of people that, you know, have that. Uh, you know, I don't have to do it today. I'll just do it tomorrow. There's no guarantee you're going to be around tomorrow. Your children may or may not be around tomorrow. Your parents may or may not be around tomorrow. Don't put off tomorrow what you could do today. Maybe you should turn off uh, social media for a hot minute and spend time with that child and read them a book or a, a bedtime story and not be on an audiobook and actually read it to them yourself. Maybe you should spend time and, and, and play a board game and get off a of fortnight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. We have to be very instrumental um, in our relationship with our children. And it doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter. I talked to my mom um, just the other night and, you know, uh, you know, she had to get on me. It's truth. That's why I'm, ta I'm talking about some stuff, because, yeah, I'm a father and I'm talking about my relationship, with my children. But I have parents that want a relationship with me, too. And the, the comment she made, the first thing that came out of her mouth, she was like, well, hey. Well, I figure I reach out to you since you can't call nobody. And what's interesting that she made that comment was because I was supposed to call her the day before. And I got tied up doing some other stuff and I didn't do it. Again, tomorrow's not promised. And I know it sounds funny. It's like, uh-huh, yeah, you should have, you know, but again, I'm, I'm human as well. And the reason why I say this um, as much as I do is because I'm still working on me as well. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. 
in our own eyes. <laughs> okay. But the point of it is, is, but we can always strive to do better. That's what matters is striving to do better. Seeing where the flaws are, seeing where the hiccups are, seeing where the bumps in the road are, see where the potholes are, you know, and, and, and fill them as much as you can in this life that we are living. You know, we've, I talked about earlier dealing with this build about building people, but sometimes the building of people, I'm not going to say sometimes, all the time, the building of people should start in your home and it starts with our children. We have to build. We have to build them. We have to be around. We have to uh, uh, be in, co- in constant communication. And sometimes, yeah, even with you trying to do things right, your children are not going to always accept what you have to say. That's a given. I mean, think about it. You were that child once. And how many times did you take everything that your parent or parents said as gold? How many times did you always um, say, okay, yes, sir, no problem? Or was it like, man, please, you know how old I am. I know what I'm doing. We've all gone through some stuff as children when we got to a certain age in life. I remember one time. And I'm gonna make this short. I remember one time, my mother, <laughs> y'all laugh right now. Dang, you got another mother story. No, seriously, <laughs> this is good. This is good. One time asked me, and, and I was telling this to uh, my children the other day. My mother, and I was, I was, I was younger, you know, and, and you know, again, I was younger. And I want you to understand, I was like 10 and under, okay? So I was younger. And my mother said to me, hey, Sean, I need you to go get the vacuum. I said, all right. So I got the vacuum, went to the closet, hall closet, brought the vacuum out, brought it in the family room, put it right there where she was. I'm like, okay, about to walk away. She's like, hey, mm, plug it in. I'm like, okay. So I unraveled the cord and I plugged it in. So I was about to walk. She's like, nah. She wait. I didn't tell you to do all that to, to walk away, vacuum the floor. Right. So, and I just kind of looked at the vacuum. I just plugged it in, did all that. And here's the weird thing. I don't know who this person was. I don't know where he got it from, but there's this little ignorant boy. I'm not sure who this kid was, but this little ignorant boy um, conjures up, like a couple words. I mean, a very few because he didn't get it all out for obvious reasons. But he said was, well, why can't you? And apparently this little ignorant boy, um, he fell asleep when he said it. <clears throat> That's about as much as I can say on that. Yeah, he fell asleep. And when that boy came to. Um, his mother basically told him. When I ask you to do something, don't you ever question me again. And many times we have had that mentality, not just as children, young children, but we've had that same mentality as later on as later teenagers. You know, 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever years old, because, you know, we think we know everything. 
And then it translates later on into our adult life because we know everything. So we think. We think we lived beyond what our parents have gone through, what our grandparents have gone through. But I also understand that knowledge is many times dealing with the day and time, the time that we're in, because now you're able in a moment's notice to type something in and boom and get it because we live in that microwave society. We can have that information right now. But our children still have to hear from their parents verbally, not via text message, verbally, not via Skype or Zoom, verbally, audibly, especially if you're in the home and you guys are living in the same place. You know, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to Skype right now. Yeah, you got to Zoom right now. I get it because that's the, where we're in right now. But they need to be able to hear you. We can't be so busy with stuff that we fail to capitalize on building our legacy for our children. And at the end of the day, no matter what you build in the financial world, you can build a great business. You can build a bank. You can go to the upper echelon of society in corporate structure and having plenty of resources dealing with financial gain. But when you leave out of here, your name that is picked up after you're gone is through your children. And I know we can't make them live a certain life. I, I understand that. But at least help them by being beneficial, by being uh, present, by being audible by being a parent first I mean if there is a friendship that's what that is but they need to know what that difference is that the difference is I'm your parent yeah I can yeah I can I can still I can become your best friend but the point of it is I'm your parent first I'm your dad first you're not gonna come to me with any kind of stuff and talk to me any kind of way Unless you're venting about something that I have nothing to do with it, but you're using me as a platform because you're trying to express how hurt you are in dealing with society. Maybe it's a man, man problem. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's a job problem. And you're coming and you're yelling at me. And then I realize like, hey, okay, bro. it ain't me. So I'm just going to let you go because I understand the relationship. And it's only to where you have a relationship with your children. A dynamic relationship to where something can grow and blossom. But just know without a shadow of a doubt, they're going to make their own decisions. They're going to go wherever they're going to go. They're going to live wherever they want to live. And, uh, you know, you might not always agree with it. But heck, you made your own decisions. I made my own decisions. Good, better, and different we did. And maybe right now, under sound of my voice, maybe your parents didn't agree with your own decisions. But they still loved you, right? Maybe parents even turned their back on you when you made your decision. Even a more better reason to be able to understand your children. 
I might not like your decision. I might not like where you're headed. I might not even like the person you're dating or the person you're thinking about hooking up with. But I'm here to let you know. I'm not going to turn my back on you. Like the back was turned on me. Maybe that's the position you need to be in. Thank you for listening. This is Sean, your host that I'm dealing with. Stay tuned for another episode. Again, we upload every Monday and Friday. Stay tuned and we'll be right back to you. Take care. Be blessed. Most of all, stay safe. I'm out.